3: We call it Epcot. It will be our experimental motorbike city of tomorrow.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was and the way it
0: is in your memories. All right, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World podcast, the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. This is episode 44, Mickey's Birthday Land, where we'll be taking you back to Mickey's Birthday Land in 1988 and what it turned into just a few years after and then uh, about five or six years after that. I am your host, Todd McCartney, and sitting in with me as always tonight, and I'm going to go with how tonight first because he's looking eager to talk about this topic.
4: Oh my God, I cannot wait. You, I, I can't wait either i remember it it's gonna be
0: it's gonna be great and you know mickey's birthday's coming up so i you're know look at me i'm
4: all goose pimply waiting for
0: that to <laughs> and if you are listening to this on november 18th which is the date we release this you are listening to this podcast on mickey's birthday so damn pretty cool stuff
4: that's the magic of radio right there that's right podcasting whatever this is
0: <laughs> and coming in from ohio mr jt Coosier. how you doing tonight jt Doing good, Todd. How are you? Good. Are you pumped for Mickey's birthday too?
1: Oh yeah, always. I love Mickey. He's great. You got your cake ordered? Uh, ice cream cake from Dairy Queen.
0: Oh, I thought you say Carvel, like Fudgy the Whale. You know? No, I don't
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know. Brian from Philadelphia. He doesn't know what Fudgy the Whale is. Oh, brother. <laughs> Greetings oh, and salutations from the city of brotherly love, where we love Fudgy the Whale and Cookie Puss. And all of the Carvel cake characters exactly, and
0: don't forget Cookie Puss and uh, uh, Fudgy Well can also be turned ninety degrees to become Santa Claus. So Santa
2: Claus, what? Is what? what's
4: the Irish one? Old.
2: Cookie Opus. Cookie, Cookie opus. opus.
4: That's right.
0: Oh, we've gone into another East Coast food item here. Look up
1: Carvel, folks. We're not going to go it's down amazing. that. amazing. It just doesn't cross a line. No. Come in, I mean, Brian's a short four hours That's away. All right. JT, today far. we
2: found out you didn't have VCRs until like the 90s out there. So. Yeah. So. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true.
1: I was stating the fact that VHS tapes and like you went to those houses where the people had like the rows of bought movies. It was very rare. Everybody had the dubs from the cable, you know. Yeah. That's what seemed yeah. to happen.
0: Yeah. There you go. Well, before we go down another hole, why don't we just get right into our corrections and comments? So, uh, guys, last month uh, we talked about uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on our our game show episode and how you made a a statement here and somebody wanted to write in and correct you. This is from Eric. He says, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was not the first TV show to offer a million-dollar grand prize. There was a show called Chance of a Lifetime. I don't remember this one, but hosted by Jim Lange, that offered a $1 million prize that aired in the 80s long before millionaire and someone won it in the first season.
4: That's awesome. I I don't remember that show either, but uh I remember Jim Lang. He was he was quite the affable uh, host. Yep. Yep. Oh, pretty cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for sending that. We I had no idea. So yep. that's I, you know what I I love being right, but I love being wrong so I can find out something new that I did not know. That's right, and we take
0: our take our corrections seriously here at the at the Retro Disney World podcast. So um, another interesting one that we got in uh, last last month. We also talked about the giant speakerphone that was in the AT and T pavilion, and um, if you guys remember, we we gave a call and it turned out to be. Uh, a, a, the number now routes to somebody in the Disney vacation club, uh, some member, not a member, I'm sorry, a, uh, a manager there. And the best part is, is we heard from them and this topic of the giant phone and what his number used to be came up during one of their meetings. <laughs> so they sent us <laughs> oh, another picture. Oh, it did. Picture. I didn't yeah. know the meeting. Yes. Yeah, so. He says, uh, regarding the phone we talked about in today's meeting, here's a picture of another member emailed me earlier this year of the at t phone that used to be at Epcot many years ago. My understanding is that people could call it anywhere and then talk on this giant phone, uh, giant speaker phone. The phone number listed on the phone used to be another person, uh, and it is now mine. See the attached picture. So we... Someone out there at the Disney Vacation Club in Florida is listening to our podcast. We want to give a shout out to everybody there. Thanks for sharing the additional photos. I think that's awesome. And uh, that's that's great. And and if you ever do find the big phone, sadly, we report it is not in his office. Did you see that? It's- <laughs> Did he send a picture of his current phone? Was it normal? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. So, All right. And I think the last item of the month, uh, we've got how you've got a. A sub story about the 20k. You met yeah. up with a former attraction vehicle. I've,
4: I when we did our 20k episode, uh I I had an inkling that there were some of the subs still around. We I had heard rumors that there were some at Castaway K. So I actually went on a Disney cruise, my very first one, and went to Castaway K and our whole family went snorkeling, and sure enough, there is one of the 20k subs still there in about like 10-15 feet of water. Um, it does not have the uh, like the pronounced bridge with mm. the the spiky part on it and the big was, uh, ball for,
0: windows. That was for ramming ships, right? For yes, rip, exactly. ripping them apart. Yeah,
4: right. So that those parts were removed. So when you see photos online, it's a little confusing because that was one of the most visually distinct parts of the ships, and that's gone. Um, the little ramming ship thing is actually in a, about 10 or 15 feet away from the rest of the sub. So they saved that part and put it down as just kind of like debris, but the large section is gone, but you can swim right up to it. You can swim up to, um, the holes where the, um, where the pilot sat and see his little seat. You can uh, see the, the holes where you got in, in the front and into the back and the tail is still there. Wow, um, and then a couple of the in the back, the place where you, where they would like uh, tie on the ropes and yep. hold it in place, and and you and uh, and the portholes on one side. Now they're all some of the portholes are covered, and then all, all the rest of these openings have like wire mesh across them, so you can't get in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really cool to go down there and actually see one of them. So, so Howard. 10 to 15 feet of water how many leagues under the sea is that <laughs>
4: well there's okay so there's one of the great things leagues isn't a a unit of depth it is a unit of uh distance right so uh i just so did the
0: conversion if you're interested though for distance though
4: here we go
1: all right here all we
0: right, right 15 feet is equal to 0. 0.000822 nautical leagues
1: so so how I
2: want you there to you write up want you to write a memoir called zero 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 00082 <laughs> leagues under the sea. <laughs> <The> See.
1: <laughs> how long could you stay under there? Did you have a, a I mean, do you have a good swimmer? How long can you hold your breath? breath? Yeah, is that uh, the I mean I
4: I probably stayed under for like a minute to a minute and a half. I'm not bad. when you get deep, it's a little tougher. Uh so I I managed to swim like the length i started about maybe a quarter of the way down the one side and swam the length of the um the portals and then i think i came up for breath and then went down and managed to swim up into the uh into the large hole, and I had my my GoPro with me, so I was able to get a lot of nice video of it. Oh,
2: cool. If um, if you're a Jedi, you can apparently hide under there for a while and hold your breath until the droid army passes. So
0: That's right. <laughs> Just put one of those funky things in your mouth. You'll be fine. Yeah, fly. that little, little yeah. tube. That, yeah, if I could get need.
4: one of those James Bond yeah. Uh, now, was there like, um, little breathing things. That were there great...
0: any diesel fumes
4: uh, emanating? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there co- were a
4: lot of fish around it, though, oh, so the, well. fish, the fish seemed to enjoy it very much.
1: Well, no mermaids either, right? No, no mermaids. No. Giant squid. No. But it,
4: no.
0: but how could he hear slight calls to ba- Mr. Baxter on, yep. on the Just on the echoing uh, through through time and space. Exactly, exactly. On the on the what was it the sea phone, ocean phone, what was
4: it called? Oh, the hydrophone. Hydrophone, yes. I wonder hydrophone, who's yes. got that number
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it a ring next month. <laughs> oh, all right. Somebody at Parks and Resorts. <laughs> <That's> right. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, thank you, for everybody, for those corrections and additional add-ins. But uh, it's time to get over to JT, run out to the listener mailbag on these uh, cool fall crisp evenings. What do you got coming to us uh, this month on the listener mailbag?
1: All right, well, uh, good good selection of mail this month for sure. Uh, We have, first off, from Joe Barlow. Joe said, good afternoon, guys. I have a bunch of coffee cups my mom appropriated from Walt Disney World restaurants back in the 70s and 80s. That's a relocation program, really what it is. I was thinking stole, but... No, 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 it's
2: it's for archival purposes. Joe's mom is the reason it costs $25 to park now down there. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Joe's
1: mom. That's why they went to generic coffee cups. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the cups are all made by the same company, and they have different numbers on the bottom. Do you know if Disney has them numbered to keep track of them? Thank you, Joe.
2: Yes, and Dick Nunes is on his way to your house now to pick them up. Come here, punk. So
4: I did a little research into this because I have one of those coffee cups myself, and I was curious. Like, what were the numbers? Are they, like, ordering numbers so that way if, you know, if the contemporary waitress drops a tray of them and breaks them, do they it up and go like we need another batch of 475s uh <clears throat> these were made by the mayor china company and uh, they actually made restaurant ware for uh, for a ton of of different restaurants and hotels so i started looking at the bottom of them and i noticed that all of the things that they made uh, starting about in the 1970s were all numbered and what it finally occurred to me is that if you pick up your coffee cup or your 12 inch plate or your uh serving bowl or whatever you have from them and look on the bottom there's going to be a three-digit number <clears throat> that's, and that's and possibly four digits but i haven't seen it yet that is the date of manufacturer so if you have number 378 on the bottom it was made in march of 1978 and uh, it's kind of interesting because now you can actually now you can actually look online on ebay or if you run across these in fleet market and you can actually tell what year these are from precisely, and I and I think they used them from the early seventies all the way up into like 81, 82, because I saw some 82s and on some things that I looked at online. So, um, so that's that's, that's cool. the answer. And these are the for <clears throat> for those of you that may have may stumble across these. Uh, since since we're on audio, I will describe them for you. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> He's holding one yeah, up now. <laughs> they are uh, sort of uh, like an off white color, um, but you can tell because they typically have like a gold uh a yellow gold band that runs around them and then it's got the old Walt Disney World D with the Mickey head in the middle so they're they're very distinctive they,
0: uh I, and they have that that thicker porcelain almost like those thicker not super thick but kind of like diners yeah. or, oh. or you know durability, durability. yeah they're durable
1: so, durability. Yeah. yeah yeah i feel like if there was a coffee shop run by disney in the 70s that's the the china that would be in there and it's from
4: what we know they were used at many restaurants and in the resort hotels it was and possibly within within disney world itself too so before they went to custom plates and cups for all the different locations they, they basically had one that they used everywhere
1: all right thanks joe appreciate that and uh thanks for the the uh info how This one's from Mike. Mike says he worked in one-hour film developing and photograph processing for many years and has always been fascinated with how large tourist destinations handle the influx of film that needed to be developed and processed. Did the Camera Center at Epcot offer one-hour film developing and photo processing? Any information you can provide on film development at Walt Disney World would be great. Thanks so much for the podcast.
2: And I answered, Mike, and I'll tell everybody what the answer was. Yes, they offered processing, but not one hour processing. They offered throughout the resorts and parks next day processing. So you could drop it off, and then the next day you could either pick it up or they would deliver it to your resort uh, hotel uh, room. And that service survived all the way until the end of 2010. Uh, At... at at that point it was only in the park, uh, at the camera center. But, uh, but prior to that, they actually used to offer that service at the resorts too. And then as people moved to digital cameras, it, uh, it, it moved on and they, and, uh, it kind of, right when Kodak ended its sponsorship of imagination and, uh, cause they were going bankrupt, uh, and cause people weren't taking pictures with film anymore. Uh, You know, it it was kind of a natural marriage. But yeah, it ended at the the last day of December 2010. And there were various reports online at the beginning of 2011 that uh, the parks are no longer offering film development. So but for the longest time, they had these cool custom envelopes. I know I think Todd has one of them in his ephemera. Uh, I do. Yeah, we've got a few of them up on our website uh, to to look at. But uh, yeah, they had these Mickey sitting in a photo window uh, to take your to take your order.
1: Uh, Next up, we uh, had a a caller to our retro line. This is a
3: voicemail from Jared, so let's take a listen and see what Jared had to say. Hi, guys. This is uh, Jared from Clearwater, Florida. Big fan of the show since your first episode. And I have a story that may interest your listeners after your last show on game shows at the MGM Studios. Most of you may remember uh, a few years back the studios would host uh, what they called Star Wars Weekends, which essentially was a series of Star Wars conventions held at the park with various uh, actors from the Star Wars films, uh, events, character meetups, and during this time, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It was switched over to a Star Wars edition where only Star Wars questions would be asked. Both in-universe questions like, what species is Chewbacca, to like real-world production questions like, who directed The Empire Strikes Back? When I would visit Star Wars weekends, I would always make it a point to attend uh, the millionaire shows. And in 2005, I was actually selected to participate. I made it down to the hot seat, which is what they call the place where the contestant sets and plays the game. And I actually made it up to the 500,000-point question. But I missed the question and was knocked out. The question being, who was the clue horn player in the modal nodes? The modal nodes were the cantina band from the original Star Wars film. And I missed that question. But I returned in 2006, and I knew it was going to be my last chance to see the show because they were going to be closing it later that year for Toy Story Mania. So I went in there with my friends Mike and Matt, and uh, we played along with the fastest finger. And the contestant who got in the hot seat first was a young kid, and uh, he he got knocked out of the game pretty early. And when they tabulated the fastest finger answers from the audience, I was the next in line. So for the second time in a year, I went down to the hot seat. This time was really cool, though, because Warwick Davis um, from, uh, you know, the Star Wars films, amongst many other things, uh, was sitting down next to the hot seat with the, with the show host and um, so it was cool to meet him and have him there while I was playing the game and i actually I shot through the questions pretty quickly uh, I used uh one fifty fifty lifeline, but uh that was the only one I used and I came up to the to the million point question and um as soon as he asked the question, I knew what the answer was. The question being, what species of alien was initially designed for Episode 1, but not used until Episode 2? And Warwick Davis actually mentioned uh, the one of the wrong answers, trying to be helpful. And I remember saying, well, Warwick... Uh, unfortunately, that's not the answer. The answer is Geonosians. And boom, the confetti flies, the balloons fall from the ceiling, and the million-point question was answered, and I won the cruise. It really was an amazing cruise. We had such a good time. Whenever I would have interactions with any cast members, it must have been in my file that I won the cruise on the millionaire show and they would always take a moment to congratulate me on my win, which made me feel pretty special. My wife and I also met a couple on this cruise, which we're still friends with 12 years later. So it's the gift that keeps giving. But when I heard your show on all the old game shows at the studios, I, it all came flooding back and I I felt compelled to share my story. So I appreciate your time. You guys have my favorite podcast, and please keep doing what you're doing, and thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, we did that that episode about the game
1: shows, and how it gave us a lot of insight in that. So Jared, uh, thanks for that. We appreciate the uh, the extra info, and that was well like a, our last full episode. Yeah, last quite one. a few in between. So, uh, but yeah, roll back to that if you want to. Haven't caught yeah, that and one.
4: And Jared has given us a bunch of prizes from Who Wants a Millionaire that wants to be you know that oh, we'll that right. we'll put in the prize pot next month for our big giveaway.
0: Oh, ooh, a sneak yep. peek right there. Look at that. Look at that. So. <laughs>
1: All right, so last one here. Uh, We did have a kind of major announcement last uh, episode, and uh, we sort of got some some real nice letters and notes about it. Uh, So this one says, Hi, Retro WDW crew, and now LBVHS crew. uh, He said, Just wanted to send my congrats to you all. Lots of hard work is paying off, and I believe you are on the best path to historically preserving as much of Disney World's history as possible. Even the stuff Disney wants us all to forget. I've been listening to the podcast since the first episode was. Pre- uh, he was president at the Epcot 35 event. He has many of our T-shirts, and he continues to plan to support uh, in any way that he can. Please keep doing what you're doing; it is great. Um, and he offers up some support, you know, knowing about nonprofits and that sort of thing, which is you know kind of what we got into with this, and yeah. it's new to new to us, and it's cool to get the uh, the insight from people. So. Uh, Yeah, he says, thanks for all your effort. This is amazing. He's very happy for all of us. Uh, That is from Gary Sullivan. So thanks, Gary, for the kind words, and also to everybody else that dropped us a note about the society. I appreciate that.
0: We got so many wonderful uh, emails in and tweets and and congratulatory remarks, and we just want to say thank you to everybody who sent us in those and, and also to all the people who have also requested uh, ways that they can donate their time to to help us out. We already had some people talk to send us information on transcribing and uh, uh, a lot of different things. So t- terrific uh, t- to see everybody's enthusiasm out there. And we're we're really looking forward to to you know what where we're going in the future with this.
2: The, the excitement was contagious. I mean, I did not expect mm. that reaction. Like yeah. <laughs> we we knew what we were doing was kind of exciting from our standpoint, but uh, there were a lot of listeners that wrote us. I mean, we got yeah. dozens of emails and tweets and stuff of just people like, oh, my God, this is great. What you're doing. So, I, I, yeah, it's, I, I echo that. It was, you know, they were more excited than JT. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was excited. And I, I know people had VCRs around here. In the <laughs> and,
0: and speaking of VCRs, we should remind people that LB uh vhs is not the lake buena video home system (laughs) right it is the lake buena vista historical society but how that's a t-shirt idea i'm seeing something about lbvhs as a you know a t160 tape maybe t120
4: (laughs) all right we'll we'll get on that
0: all right jt i think it's time to close up the mailbag why don't you tell them where they can find us and also also where they can uh leave us a message
1: uh, if you would like to drop us a line, send us an email, podcast at retrowdw.com. You can tweet at us, uh, like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that, and we get your messages all over the place. So get in touch with us if you have something to say for sure.
0: Yep, and you can also leave us a message at nine seven eight seventy one retro and maybe you'll hear yourself on the podcast. All right, so as we mentioned earlier, uh, we're releasing this podcast on Mickey's birthday, November 18th. And uh, yesterday, uh, we were over at the Contemporary Resort doing our Lake and Lagoon Tour Discovery Edition. Now, we'll have a follow-on episode uh, and some more information on how that went in the future. But the best part is, you as a listener can uh, obtain a copy of the special gift that we gave out um, at the at the event, uh, and we have different uh, two different kinds. So, Brian, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what this is and how it came about?
2: Well, some would call it a work of art. Some would mm-hmm. call it a masterpiece. But what it is is a custom, hand-drawn uh, map. Uh, Full color illustrated map poster sized uh, of the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was and the way it is in your memory. And so if I've captured this correctly, Todd, what it is, is it is a uh, a recreation hand drawn by our artist, Jason, uh, that is based on a map that existed in the 1970s, right? It.
0: Yeah, there were actually two versions of it. One was in the back of a, a complete edition of Walt Disney World, and then one also appeared. Um, it was also like a, given out, um, almost like a pamphlet with it with a key down the right hand side of what was on. It. So they are two different versions, slightly different, but seventy five, seventy six.
2: Yeah. So Jason took uh, that as a as a uh, as a general layout and crafted a map uh, based on all of our episodes of the Retro WDW podcast, and there's wonderful dozens and dozens of little uh, widgets in there and weenies uh, to attract people's attention, uh, inside jokes and things, all of which are decipherable, uh, in addition to capturing uh, what the park uh, and uh, and the general layout of the place was back then.
0: As well as some things that never came to be we decided to add on some of the hotels that were never built you'll notice Thunder Mesa uh, on the map as well and a couple of things that had very very short lives such as the original tram or um, uh, Some other attractions that are no longer there So here's the really cool thing about it as Brian pointed out in this poster um, and it's 24 by 36 inches, so it's pretty sizable. It's kind of like Where's Waldo in a way. Uh, there's 71 hidden items, things that we've talked about, things that aren't there anymore or specific that you can go and find. And we're going to talk a little bit in about a second how you can get a copy of the poster to hang in your own home. Um, but the, the neat thing is what we're going to do from now to January 15th, 2019, everybody who has a copy or orders a copy will have a chance to look at their map and try to find all 71 hidden items and what we're going to do is those that send in their list contest at retrowdw.com, uh, we're going to take all those entries that we get see who has the most correct entries and uh, we're going to give them a special limited edition version of the map with a silver seal and numbered and signed by all of us here at the retro wdw podcast including jason so you get numbered, a loan number, you get the seal, you get the poster, you get all of our signatures, and uh, so you'll get an additional copy. So, how can you get a copy of this? Well, as you may have heard in our previous episode, we're now uh, working under the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, which is a, a nonprofit that we formed to bring this podcast to you. And uh, right on the Retro WW page, there is a Donate. And uh, you can click a donation there, and for a $25 donation, you will receive a copy of this poster as a gift sent to you. And uh, there's also some other levels in there that uh, have a different version of the poster uh, that has some of the seals and, and signatures as well on it. Um, but these are those are the ones that were given out on on the tour. So uh, it's a very limited piece. We only made a certain amount of them, and we're hoping that a lot of you out there uh, will find it intriguing and will love to sit down and kind of play Where's Waldo with it. Uh, and, and I mean, how JT, Bryan? there are so many cool things hidden in this. I, every time I go by, I've, I've got, we just got them in today actually. And I got one hanging on my wall and I started looking at it and it's just fantastic. The detail that Jason put in on it and all the little tiny things that you're going to be searching for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's
2: a couple of things because we lived through this from its first conception to his first couple sketches. And we didn't even know we were going to do this. And yeah. Todd kind of said, look, can you start and see what you can do? And he did one small section and all four of us were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And yeah. then we lived through each area being, you know, pencil drawn first in sketch form and then colored in and then adding stuff to it. And it was a joint effort because uh, we would all sit there and say, oh, you know what we should put there? We should put this or we should add that. And, uh, and so it was just really, really neat to, to see it come, but the finished product, this is a, I mean, it, it's, anybody's going to be happy to frame this and hang it in their, in their home. Yep. And, the, and the poster size frames are cheap. You can get them at Walmart, you can get them at Target. Yep. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a standard poster size. Uh, but like a couple of the other Disney type things I have that like David Coolidge's artwork that hangs in my living room, it doesn't scream disney world unless you go up and inspect it it's it, it it looks appropriate to be hanging on the wall but gorgeous colors uh it's a great gift for any disney fan
4: i yeah i just from the very beginning like like brian said it's like i was blown away as as we progress through this and and i talked about this in another podcast i I've, i'm kind of a tough audience when it comes to the visual arts and i'm i'm just knocked out by by what jason was able to do here how many things he was able to show, like. It is, like I said, it's just filled with like little nooks and crannies and details, and we're all on there in, in yeah, different exactly. places, and yep. lots of the celebrities that we talked about are just weird little instances that we've discussed on the show. It's it's all there if you yeah. if you've listened to our shows religiously, and and who hasn't because you should. Uh, like you'll, you'll absolutely recognize all the stuff that's on there.
0: And there's a lot in there that you may not even pick up on. There are so many small, little tiny details that, um, you know, I'm going to send you in here. I have a, I have a screen capture. I'm going to send it to you guys here so you know what I'm talking about here. This one, you know, in particular is so far out there that, you know, you may not even remember us talking about it. And they're looking at it, studying, going, what is it? Well, if you'd like to get your very own copy, head over to RetroWDW.com. You can click the Donate button, or you also can do it from the LBVHistory.org. There's a link as well there. And uh, keep in mind, your entire donation is tax deductible. All the instructions will be in your receipt as well as on the page. If you have any questions, feel free to email us as well. So thank you very much for supporting us. Don't forget to get your entries in for the contest, and uh, we will publish an article about this. And then... At the very end, when we've announced a winner, we will release a companion guide that uh, will reveal all secrets in the map. All right, guys. I think it's time for this month's Audio Rewind. And um, let me let me read you a couple of the responses before we reveal. So this month's Rewind is something that has burned in my subconscious nightmares. Uh, <laughs>
2: That's
0: right. Hearing the clip made me feel a very odd mix of horror and
1: nostalgia. It gives me- they, Are they talking about listening to the podcast no, or the Audio Rewind? it's <laughs> just the audio. <laughs>
0: It will give me spa- scary dreams about clowns on stilts. It's the ultimate nightmare fuel. So let's take a listen to last month's Audio Rewind before we reveal. I see
2: the
1: face of a witch. Uh, I see a lion jumping through a hoop. I see a beautiful fish flying. I see the
4: face
2: of a funny clown.
0: All right and as one of our listeners said if you guess the acid trip known as Magic Journeys you are correct. So uh that was specifically was the scene where the children are lying in a field staring up at clouds and that then materialized into a circus with giant clowns on stilts and some 3D effects that uh well let's just put it off to another episode right guys we'll we'll talk about it another time. So best film ever made. That's right. Hands so we down. do a We do have a winner, Ben West. So congratulations to Ben. You win the Universe of Energy comic book. Yeah, congratulations there. And uh, so before we get to this month's Audio Rewind, we need a prize. And and Brian is jumping up and down saying, ooh, pick me. He's got a prize. So, Brian, what do you got for us?
2: I do. And my prize this month is hashtag on brand uh, because I have the 1992 Burger King, 20th anniversary Walt Disney World calendar. And uh, the reason this is significant is because by the time you answer this and we get it in the mail to you, you'll get it probably late December, early January uh, 2019. Uh, And you only have to sit on it for a few short months because the 1992 calendar will be identical to 2020. So the following january you can hang that guy right on up and it'll and it'll track the days just like it did in 1992 that but it's a perfect. it's a promotional calendar they put out at burger king uh, to promote the 20th anniversary of uh, walt disney world it has some coupons which you can't use to get a whopper or a whaler or a whopper junior anymore <laughs> the whaler was what they used to call the fish sandwich just so you know that oh that's whaler. right yeah. and and uh, and but each each uh, each month has a cool set of pictures uh, including the one month and I don't remember which one it is that has pictures of the tiki's, the large tiki's that used to surround the pool at the Polynesian, uh, nice. which which I remember how particularly enjoyed the first time I ever tweeted that calendar photo. So yeah, yeah. So it's a very very cool keepsake, and uh, I came across it at a flea market. I already own one; it's part of my collection. And uh, the gentleman who had it in a pile said, well, uh, you were really excited. You can just have it."
3: And I said. <laughs> oh, and I said. And I said, wow. I'm gonna, I
2: said, I'm going to share this uh, with someone who will appreciate it as much as I do. So
0: there we uh, go. Cool. It is
2: this month's prize pot, thanks to the kindly gentleman at Jake's Flea Market in Bartow, Pennsylvania.
0: So Brian's calendar can be yours if you know the answer to this audio rewind. All right, if you think you know the answers to this month's Audio rerun, send your guesses to contest at retro www.com. All entries must be received by December 8th, 2018. We'll pick one winner out of all correct answers to win this month's prize. And with that said, we also at the end of this year, which is just next month, we'll be doing a special uh, live telephone connection down to a on-the-beat reporter in Epcot Center that will help us pick the random number to win this prize. Years half prize pot. So, JT, what's in there, or what are we adding in?
1: All right, we have July a sewing kit from Disney World. August was the official Disney World Disneyland vinyl album, new sealed in the package. September is the D23 Gold Member kit that does yeah, that's feature huge. the the Mickey's birthday yeah, stuff all that, that everybody's seen. Yep.
0: Uh, I am adding in a selection of Disney news from the early 90s, which will be really cool. It has a, I think everything is done in some sort of purple, pink, or teal. So it goes right along with uh, with the Wonders of Life uh, motif. But uh, So yeah, if you get your answers in, uh, all entries in the podcast from this half year, whether they're correct or not, will be entered in a drawing in our December podcast, which is just next month, to win everything in the prize pot. All right, guys. Well, it's time for this month's main topic, and as we said, it's a wishing Mickey a very happy birthday today. On November eighteenth, he has turned ninety years old, and hard to believe that thirty years ago we were celebrating his sixtieth birthday. And there were a lot of special things going on at that time. How's
4: doing? I'm trying to do the math, here? but you're right. It is thirty minus yeah, yeah, sixty. Isn't yeah. that? It's making you feel old, yeah. isn't it? He looks <laughs> so, better than I do, and he's like
1: way older than me.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's, it's quite interesting how he's he's gotten better with age. He looked a lot freakier in the early days. Well, in
0: the 90s, too, he had a lot of baggy pants and a lot of <laughs> pink and teal, too. That that didn't help. Joe Cool <laughs> version That's right, of exactly. So back in 1988, there was a lot about Mickey's 60th. There were some special events around the world. There was a television special. And do you guys remember this? This was sold. I got this when I went to Mickey's birthday land. Uh, do you guys remember... This magazine called Mickey is. 60. I had one of those, yeah. You had one. Now check this out, guys. In the middle of it is a, I guess you could call it a faux cell. You know, it's it's like a lithograph. Sorcerer Mickey, yeah, exactly. So you would cut out the background, and uh, you know you had the cell in there. So it was it was printed. You know, it's but still pretty cool. Um, and there are a lot of other things. The Brian, there was the uh, the party Mickey hot air balloon. We've talked about. Uh, some of the hot air balloons that they've done but there was a party mickey one uh he was on you know time magazine and life magazine and all those other things um but uh you know this was they decided to do something different because in 1984 there was a donald party in in the magic kingdom and um he pretty much got a parade and that that was the end of it <laughs> and that was it but um you know there nobody was ever guaranteed a, a time or a place to see mickey and with his birthday coming up there was Kind of an idea and how you're going to take us through the background of Mickey's Birthday Land and how that one little spark there, so to speak, turned into some of the things that we saw. And then I'll take you through uh, everything that that land
4: was and what it became over the years. I I will. And and Todd, since you have that magazine, I I asked you this earlier Mm. when you pulled it out. There is a hidden gem in that magazine that somebody got in huge trouble for. So on the bottom of every page... In this Mickey a sixty magazine, next to the page yep. number, there it says Mickey is Sixty, which is a thing that you would do yep. in magazine design. I was I did some magazines and we did that, we put the name of the publication there. On right. one of the pages someone changed it to say mickey is sexy. No. Yes. All right. Well, well while you're doing the intro <laughs> and it got through to through through publication and it got to print. So I was trying to remember if it was wow. ended up on page 60 or what page it ended up on, but so we we have we're in uh, in great debt to Charlie Ridgway here because he actually laid out the story of of how we got birthday land in his book Spinning Disney's World, which which is phenomenal because I personally I always ignored this. Oh, I think Todd's got
0: the page. I found it. It is. It is uh, page 35, and it certainly does say Mickey is sexy. Uh, And it is opposite Annette Funicello. Hmm.
1: Coincidence? Maybe Maybe not. Let's see it. Hold hold it up. I want to see this. You want to see that? Not Annette, where the Mickey is sexy part. Yeah, he wants to
2: see that That's good. I see it. can we get the uh, person responsible for that for a panel discussion? That would be yeah no, that would be It'd, great.
4: That would be perfect. Yep. no, I was funny enough is one of those things when I found out about him like I would I would have completely have done that <laughs> supposedly <laughs> yeah. the person who did it lost their job and all that but who knows who knows story about yeah yeah.
0: Uh, it's almost like james may with his auto publication where every letter of the first paragraph actually wound up spelling something yeah. out that got him in trouble no. too. so well i didn't mean to interrupt no, you out, but that was it's breaking right, yeah. news at page 35 <laughs> so go ahead <laughs>
4: so uh so the story is that back in 1986 so a couple, just you know a couple of years before mickey's birthday the entertainment division began planning a parade to celebrate mickey's 60th birthday just like they did for donald but marketing wanted something bigger to promote it's like the parade you know is okay but we'd like to blow it out more than that so uh, as we have discussed previously on the podcast um they had been doing some multi-city tours in the 1980s where they would go to you know shopping malls and things and they'd have huge inflatables and they'd set up tents and do stage shows and stuff like that um so the thought was well, what if we could take that same kind of idea and we'll take the parking lot between Main Street and Tomorrowland and kinda you know, not have people park there for a while. But set up a tent with a live show and a big thirty foot inflatable Mickey to act sort of as like an icon and maybe get like a playground or something for the little kids to do because I think there was a feeling like there wasn't a lot for little little kids to do at the time. And let's, you know, make a little mini thing uh that we can rally really do some promotion against instead of just the parade. So um, so they got merchandising character artists, Russell Schroeder and Don Ducky Williams uh, to join the group. Uh, and they were uh, recruited into this marketing team called the Matadors. And uh, those guys came up with the idea of Mickey's house, kind of this 1920 style bungalow. Um, and Schroeder had actually done a, a drawing of Mickey's house for a fast food container. I don't know if it was a McDonald's or Burger King in a, Previously, and they were like, "Oh, let's just use that. That could be Mickey's house. Let's expand on that idea."
0: So that means there's still hope for the filet fish foam container house, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> it can right? happen. It can happen. <laughs> it can yeah. happen. Oh man! So, Good so they,
4: pack, they packaged up this idea, and the, the the VP of marketing, Tom Elrod, took this concept to Michael Eisner. Eisner liked it. He passed it on to WDI, and they said. Look, we're in the middle of doing Disney MGM Studios. We we don't have time to do this. So, put the brakes on this for 1988. Uh, let's delay the project, and we'll integrate it into Disney MGM as we have a chance. Uh, uh, in 2020, yeah. or right. 2019. Is so, what like, we'll do, just right? completely <laughs> miss Mickey's birthday, and and the marketing team was disappointed because they you know they were really trying to do something for Mickey's birthday, but they didn't give up. and They felt like they still needed that hook. For, the, for for a promotional idea because they loved, Charlie Ridgeway loved big promotions. So uh, so they decided, well, okay, if, if we can't get them to do it, well, let's just do it ourselves and see what we can do. So they, they took that concept and just added on to it. And they, they brought in people from the maintenance division who were planners to see if they could maybe join the brainstorming sessions and come up with some stuff to like augment it. So ultimately, this team, not... Walt Disney Imagineering but a team of people in marketing and in the engineering services division came up with the idea to take over a plot of land behind 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea uh, and this area was empty because originally on our on we've got some old old plans where this was designated as holiday land which probably would have been like a corporate picnic area so it, it was just sitting there uh kind of out of nowhere they said let's take over that spot we'll decorate the steam train Will add a new station to service the area, so that way the steam came, steam train can actually drop people off back here, because it's kind of inaccessible and out of the way. And incidentally, that was the exact location that that was for a proposed uh, train station, like way back in like sixty eight or sixty nine. So it's like it it finally came true. And they decided we can save money instead of actually building permanent buildings. We'll just go get some of these plastic roof tent uh, buildings that they had found. And they could save a lot of money by putting those up instead of actually doing real construction. It could go up fast. They're probably partially prefabricated and they could get it going really quick. So Tama Road took this bigger concept to Michael Eisner in February of 1988. Nine months before Mickey's birthday, gonna have to hurry up in kids. November. <laughs> so Eisner said, "Okay, I'll give you a budget of twelve million dollars for the project, but it needs to be open by May, so that way this can have a positive effect on summer attendance." So, wow. so yeah, you don't have so much time. they went. They had basically three months. To go from nothing <laughs> to open. And they called up the people in the maintenance division and they said, It'll be close, but yeah, well we can do it. So the very next day they started clearing land behind twenty thousand leagues under the city. Wow. <laughs> wow. So done. Uh so Schroeder Williams went to work designing all of the elements necessary for the land. So the interior and exterior of Mickey's house, the neighborhood, the decorations that were seen from the train, the little building facades that covered up the cement walls of the tent buildings, and even these little photo opportunities, if you remember, like in some of the waiting areas, like they had these fake covers oh, of yeah, comic yeah. books, and you could step into them and have your picture taken, kind of like the old roadside attraction type thing. Uh Schroeder recalled in an interview that there were times in project meetings when someone might ask what such and such a such and such and such a thing would look like, and if Don or I made a quick sketch simply to give them an idea, they would snatch it up and turn it over to the staff shops for manufacturing immediately. So as <laughs> as quickly as they could design things. Just and again, this is not WDI. This is merchandising design artists and people that did stuff for t shirts and brochures and things and they handed it off to people in the staff shops, at central shops, and they built all of this. Uh, There's some
0: plywood, a jigsaw, and some paint. Yeah, Go to yeah. town, kids. <laughs> right. So, uh,
4: so the thought is they we know that they went to an outside contractor to build the train station, and then they just figured out how to how to decorate it. Basically, what could we put on the structure to make it look good? They went to the outside contractor to get the tents and uh, that stuff to put up, but like mostly everything you saw was literally people just like getting stuff and put it in place and they'd draw something up. And the next thing you know, it would it'd be plywood's cut out and it's painted and it's done. That's yeah. crazy. So the creative aspect of it, because they, they weren't using WDI. Um, there was a, a guy who was billed as the puppet man uh, at Epcot who would walk around and do this like punch and Judy show by himself. He'd basically wear like a table over his face and hold up the characters and like puppeteer them. Uh, his name was Steve Hansen. Um he got he got famous before Epcot for doing these shows in San Francisco and New York. So he was named the writer and director of the land and he supervised all the show elements. He in turn hired a guy named Ron Schneider. Do you remember who, who he is? is? Oh yes. So he hired the Dreamfinder to write and perform the train narration. So when you rode the train around the track. And I am the Dreamfinder yeah, train. <laughs> it, was, it was Ron who wrote that and, and performed that, uh, that train station narration. And then uh, Steve Scurgia, the principal music director of Walt Disney world entertainment, wrote the music for the land's new songs and the, the super catchy Mickey's birthday land express song. So it was a very homegrown enterprise.
0: Look at that. Yeah. That's amazing. So, that is so just cool.
4: Just like, and if, if you've ever wondered why it looks so cheap and quickly made, it's because it was cheap and quickly made. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's certain aspects that we're going to talk about
0: in a minute looked pretty good. You know, we'll talk about the cutouts and things, but there was some stuff that was still done pretty well, given the short period. Yeah. And
4: that, and they, uh, they came up with uh, we made. Get to this when we get to Mickey, but they came up with some pretty in- innovative ideas for the time. Like up until this point, Mickey was a walkaround character. As as right. you said in in the press releases, they always tried to stress that, like, you know, get, due to guest demand, it's like guests never know where they could meet Mickey and get autographs. So we needed to create a centralized place where they could do that. I don't know if there was really guest demand; that might have just been something that they said. But I mean, this was the first time that you basically parked a character in one location. And had people come to the character rather than have them just walk around, uh, you know, naturally out, organically out in the park. And and they they actually came up with the idea uh, for the first time to have three rooms with Mickey in it simultaneously. So that way, uh, you know, the length of time waiting to meet meet Mickey would be shorter because they would send you into one of the three rooms instead of just having, like, one Mickey. You could have three at the same time. So...
0: Amazing what they do today with Belle. Same yeah. thing, and meeting Mickey. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So, what are ideas never yeah, done? So they, they just come around again. Some
4: real, some real breakthroughs there. There were a couple of special guests that came uh, on June eighth. Nancy Reagan visited Mickey's Birthday Land while it was still under oh. construction. Uh, she did a photo op and she taped a segment for uh, for the Fourth of
2: July TV special. Uh, for you kids out there, she was the First Lady of the United States at the time. That's true. She was married to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor.
1: Ha. Then who's vice president?
2: Jerry Lewis.
4: Uh, so she cut Mickey's birthday cake, and and also she laid her handprints in the cement for use at Disney MGM Studios while she was there. Ah,
0: look at that! While you're there, might as well get get it done. Yeah, right? it's funny they actually That's did that cool. with
4: almost every celebrity that came the year before, <laughs> which very very wisely. We um, need some yeah. handprints. Yeah, exactly um there are online articles that talk about cindy williams doing the ribbon cutting but on the fourth of july spectacular uh, they do show cindy williams you know out enjoying the area uh, and and i've seen uh, uh saw some stuff online and people mentioned meeting her at the opening uh but but mm-hmm. actually it was carol burnett with michael eisner and roy o disney uh that actually like pulled the little like steam whistle thing that released the balloons and the the streamers and the pigeons and the whatnot to officially open Mickey's birthday land. So, um, look at that. It, it opened on June eighteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. So they did not quite make their May date, but
2: you know, not not so again.
0: Yeah. At least it was ahead of his birthday, not after, right? Yeah. For the <laughs> so. amount
4: of time, if you were to tell somebody today that like we're gonna open up a new land in the Magic Kingdom in three months, yeah. like they would never do it, right?
0: And an awesome point there, Hal, because it was and still is the only new land that was ever added to the Magic Kingdom. So, it is now Storybook (laughs) Circus. All right. So what I what I want to do with you guys is, uh, before we enter the Magic Kingdom, I want to imagine, put on your thinking caps here. Imagine let's take a little journey into imagination with Ron Schneider here. You're boarding the monorail at the Polynesian Resort, and you're going around a relatively new Grand Floridian, sparkly and white. And uh, you hear this over the monorail. The monorail's got the audio overlay uh, to welcome you and to entice you to come through to Mickey's Birthday Land. And it didn't end there. They, you know, this was a new land. It is how you pointed out if you didn't have the train you probably wouldn't have seen it or you probably wouldn't have known how to get there. So the idea that Mickey, as well as when you started into the park, uh, put into your head was that you should take the train to get there. And they called it the Mickey's Birthday Land Express. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think the the, uh, the maps even changed from the Walt Disney World Railroad to Birthday Land Express, I think, on the, on the guidebooks.
4: I'll have to take a quick look and see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I certainly remember the, the decorations all around the train station.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were they were everywhere. Um, so the idea, of a, Mickey Mickey knows how to. Park. That's right, <laughs> and that's what it was. That's what it was, Brian. Um, Minnie was throwing a special surprise birthday party. She wanted you to take the train to get there, and uh, you know, and not only they also would, would give you ideas about this in your room too. Then you know, Minnie's narration was just part of it, but it was all to entice you to come over there. So.
4: Wow, and that's, talk about great, because that totally ties into the show. They really sold that concept, didn't they?
0: Well, and that's where they wanted you to go to. They did. They, well, as we'll talk about, there wasn't much in the land. They wanted you to go to the, the show. So let's imagine ourselves, we're going through, we're seeing the Birthdayland Express train. There's festive decorations and banners and, and all sorts of stuff. Even on the train, it's the, the front end of the train said Mickey's Birthdayland Express. Uh, and there were all new narrations and banners and all sorts of stuff. And... Uh, I, you know, along the way, you know, how you pointed out how some things were very cardboard cutout-like, so to speak, um, you would see different characters in, in two-dimensional artwork, such as Goofy by a broken-down car, or the Mad Hatter's Tea Party was abandoned in the woods with a sign that said, uh, you know, Gone to Mickey's Party. Uh, and these were in some of the clearings. How they, they didn't put them over any of the other audio-animatronics. A lot of that stuff was still there, right? They just kind of took yeah. some other clearings and kind of cut right, the brush down right. and set these and in things fact
4: up. uh it's like the goofy one that you mentioned occasionally mm-hmm. they would have like a live goofy out there oh like next to the car and but when he wasn't on when he was off stage and they had the cardboard yeah. cut out in his place i
0: remember riding the train in the evening too and it was like somebody went to lowe's you know and picked up like a lawn light with the stake on it and just like plopped it in front and ran an <laughs> extension cord to keep it lit it was really really basic uh, uh
4: now i have a i have a magic kingdom guidebook here and it, it's still listed at, at as Walt Disney World Railroad. It is okay. okay. I have yeah.
0: Okay, but uh, fe- featuring the Mickey's Birthday Land Express. Oh,
4: actually, so yeah, mine, mine is from the Starland era, so I guess we have to.
0: Okay, we'll we'll do to a little more. To go digging. back
4: and find out. Yeah.
0: So why don't we uh, why don't we listen to an earworm here? Uh, do you guys remember this song from uh, the Mickey's Birthday Land Express? Because if you didn't, here it comes. So as you're starting to get close to Mickey's Birthday Land, um, they start to announce that you are coming into Duckburg. We're gonna talk a little bit more about Duckburg later on, but uh, uh, in Duckburg, it's the Feather Pillow Capital of the world, and things have been good for them there because down is up.
1: Wow, well,
0: well, oh well. man! So Mixed
1: up, Mickey's Birthday Land. Oh, now
2: you see the house. That's where
0: Mickey Mouse. Is. As you're on the train, that goes on for a little bit. And now they're saying, see that house over there? That's where Mickey Mouse lives. So Minnie's got the party. Go go on through the house. So they've enticed you in your hotel room on the monorail, the train. And now even on the train, they're saying, go into his house. So let's talk a little bit about Mickey's house. And guys, I have this here. This is a Walt Disney World news summer edition no no let's see if there's a date on here 88 so we're in the right thing but check this out right this would be in your resort right and there is a picture of mickey's birthday land house now do you guys notice anything different about this house it's all
2: new (laughs) (laughs) correct
4: where's the sidewalk i don't see like it seems a little setback i don't know
2: yeah well a
0: a lot of listeners out there yeah the sidewalk's definitely not in it looks like they've rolled out astroturf for that so this was the first house so what i want to make sure is that people understand that there were actually two mickey houses
4: in in mickey's birthday land i totally missed st- the second house com- completely you never knew oh, okay so we're gonna i never we'll- knew of this mini house and this stuff so i'm fa- I'm fascinated okay. to hear where things yeah are yeah, yeah
0: so there's a lot of this so the idea here was that at Mickey's house is where the surprise party was taking place. So the, um, it was an open-air house, so all the rooms were open to the outside, and you could walk through and explore. So you would first come up uh, up his driveway, and uh, his very bubbly cartoonish car was there with the license plate Mick and Min. That car was awesome, by the way. Th- that the was car was what, cool. The car and the
4: house, to me, were like the highlight of that.
0: A- absolutely. They put time and money into this. Um, it was very straight, not a cartoon-like looking house, but the interior... They took a lot of props and a lot of different things from probably antique score stores and different things. Um, there were a couple little cute designs, you know, you would go through his bedroom and, the, and everything. Uh, in the kitchen, though, there was a, a reference to one of the Goofy cartoons where uh, the oven had low, medium, hot, and volcano heat. Yeah. And it was a more cartoonish-looking um, uh, oven and stove which was pretty and, thing.
4: And maybe this is a good time to break in and mention. So this is nineteen eighty eight. This is pre-Roger Rabbit. The yep. the concept of a Toon Town does not exist yet. Mm-mm. So they're they are working from a completely different place. And, and in fact the furniture inside of this this house, the his bed in the bedroom, the chairs, these are human scaled yeah. <laughs> chairs. <laughs> they just went around and got furniture. That seemed like period authentic for what they were going for. Yeah. But it was like literally a normal bed and normal chairs and normal couches and things. It just seemed and, to fit into the style.
0: Right. And they would do some things like make some fiberglass plates or books or some things look yeah. a little cartoonish. So it, it was a mix of cartoonish, but not. It was it was a yeah. kind of an interesting, um, but, it, but it worked. Yeah. Um, and now, they had can...
4: one of those uh, retro globes, one of the 1971 globes oh. that we or 1974 globes that we talk about, the world globes. Yep. That was in, that was in on, there, huh? That was on Mickey's desk.
0: I'm going to have to go back through the the footage I sent you guys that my dad took of this and so we have to go through that. Um so your, your walk through the house was one way, living room, kitchen, bedroom, um, and it took you out into the backyard. And when you went into the backyard, there was, see, Pluto's yep. doghouse. And, um, like, nothing
4: interactive in this. It was oh, literally that's true. just, like, you'd walk up to the... There was, like, a rope draped across the room so you <laughs> yeah. couldn't walk in. <laughs> it
2: was, there like,
0: was going- n- it's like going to a castle, you know, like yeah. you don't sit on the furniture, you know, we have many it, tapestries.
4: It was, it was very old school. It's, it's like, I remember there was a, there was one like fake TV with a round screen yes. where it was literally just like a TV shoved into it. But like, yep. this was not like what you saw in Toontown with interactive stuff. It was like, there was, it was literally, <laughs> you just were walking through this right. pristine display of Mickey's house.
0: Now we we talked about the house and the car and this is where the budget ended pretty precisely here uh because we see uh pluto's doghouse in the back we also see his uh, mickey's clothesline lawnmower his lawn his, his pants are hanging up on pa- the clothesline yeah, well like you know he's got hopefully he's got multiple buttons
2: yeah he's got a couple pairs Well, he's save saving That's energy right. by hanging his laundry instead of putting <laughs> it in the dryer
0: but come on, Hal. That's where we see Donald's boat, and I know a lot of people are out there are going, "Wait a minute, Donald's boat was a, a, a water play thing. It was, you know, it this. Was. It was in the second go around, but this was a, um, it was a cutout, but it was multiple depths of cutout, so that you got the idea of depth, and it is, you know ss daisy or whatever it was yeah um and there was the same thing from minnie's house was the same way and it was kind of
4: they were like 20 foot tall maybe yeah somewhere in there it was very yeah and it was it weird will, because you it just it went through it. looked like a, something you would see at a small regional park, not so much yeah. Walt Disney well,
2: World. So does Donald strike you as the kind of guy that can afford <laughs> a big boat? I mean, he's not Scrooge McDuck. He's That's true. That's true.
1: He's got that short fuse, you know. Yeah. But it was
2: interesting because
0: you just walked through a full-size Mickey house. And then went through and just saw. Well, you know, Goofy lives in this small twenty-foot piece of cardboard. You know, it was it was it was yeah. interesting to see.
4: And at a point, you realize like this is just a huge queue I'm sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Like, yeah. If this was filled with people, I would just be standing here looking at this. Exactly. Thing. So everything
0: was one way for a purpose. They would then usher you into one of three tents. And the first tent of Mickey Minnie's Surprise Party uh, would just show Disney cartoons, and they would just it was kind of a. Uh, it was a round tent, much like what is still there and has been rehabbed actually today. Uh, but there was just these big screens up in the corners and you would stand there and wait before you got ushered into the largest of the tents um, where Minnie's surprise party took place. Now, the premise of this is that uh, you're in her kitchen in her house and um, we would finally meet Mickey at some point. So Goofy, uh, the entire Fab Five, you know, Chip and Dale, the whole nine yard, they all come out and they're all working with this individual girl Uh, who comes out and they dance some songs and they talk about how fantastic the party is going to be and don't spoil the secret and when did she have a
4: super generic name that could used for was it like casey or something later
0: well we're going to talk about the other show where it was cj and i don't see okay i I didn't i watched a couple of these and i couldn't pick up on her name in them but yeah but what's interesting about this one is all the clips in the mickey mini surprise party were all female um, so I know we have somebody who worked that show that we want to talk to, and we're going to need to see if, if, if it indeed was one character throughout
4: the entire run. Yeah. I don't um, remember a male cast member in that, yeah, in that role at all.
0: Right. Right. So, and so what happens here is that, you know, they're going to bake a cake and things go wrong and Donald comes in and you got goofy and they're mixing flour and again, they're dancing and doing all these high fives and running around and it. I think it was about a 15 minute show or so. Um, And then, obviously, the cake goes in the oven. Mickey comes in. They get everybody ready to be quiet. He comes in through the door, and they yell surprise. And, you know, some noises go off. And the cake explodes out of the oven because it was put on volcano heat or something. Um, You know, and the cake looks, you know, good. Brian, I sent you a picture of it. Is
2: that our cake for our next event? Uh, uh, Well, it's in the running. Okay. Let's say it's in In the the running. running. Okay, Okay. fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Because we do have that Disneyland Paris fifth anniversary Uh, that's true uh, court jester cake that Mardi Gras style cake that they did they turned their castle into that that's right that's Mm. right
0: so after this you would you think the show's over you were ushered out into another tent and if you're looking up in the tent they have these um, long banner streamers kind of like what are in the land now that kind of come down the ceiling from the top and they've got disco balls and lights and th- different things. <laughs> and then all of a very, sudden...
4: Very festive. Very, very festive. Streamers, disco balls. Well, everything. We've got everything. Disco anything pants and haircuts. Get it. Everything's a dollar store.
0: That's right. Um, and then the, there's another stage where all the characters and the girl reappear and do an additional dance number about happy birthday and for another five minutes dancing on top of this massive cake uh, stage, if you will. Uh, and then you, are then you proceed to usher out and you can visit Mickey in his dressing room um, and visit the birthday boy to get your autographs and such like that.
1: The birthday boy. That's right. Now (laughs) what's
0: amazing is in the beginning, this show ran 44 times a
4: day. I I believe it. I mean, that's a lot. That is
0: a lot. I mean, just think about that and the amount of, you know, costuming. And I mean, there's no way one person could do a show and turn around and do another. They've got to be exhausted and, Extremely tired after.
4: Well, that. and to your point, Todd, I think the way it worked is they would do the sh- they would do the show in the one, and then they right. would move over to the secondary, and then you'd have a different person come in exactly. And start- While that show is going on, someone's starting the show over again. Yep. And so they're constantly swapping out, uh, yep. you know, those positions in order to keep that going. A little
0: exactly, bit. and that's kind of why they did this three room thing. So they could give you a longer presentation uh, and and get the the capacity, you know, per hour up. So. But that was not all that was in Mickey's birthday land. Um, we talked about the train station, Mickey's house, and and, and these three tents. And um, the idea of what this area was is they came up with the idea that it should be Duckburg, as we mentioned. Now, um, back in 1987, do you guys know what premiered in 1987? It, DuckTales? That's right. That's right. And Steve Hansen, we talked about, um, he was really not sure what to what to call this land and and um he was also he was a fan of carl bark's work on the disney ducks so that's where they came came up with the idea for Duckburg. now i didn't know this i did some research on this and that um there's a backstory to Duckburg too so cornelis Coot, he is the great uh, great grandfather uh, of donald duck and apparently he scared off spanish soldiers who were attacking Fort Duckburg by popping corn to fool them into thinking reinforcements had arrived and were firing off their guns. Oh man, those Spanish, they <laughs> fall for
4: that every time. <laughs>
0: nobody un- nobody expects the <laughs> Spanish Inquisition either. <laughs> um, so apparently he also uh, moved water into the area that allowed these corn crops to flourish, and that's why in Duckburg here, in, in McKee's birthday land, he's holding an ear of corn and why it
4: has a water fountain. Um, so we're and I and I understand they were like trying to figure out what to put there, and then it was it was one of the artists who were like, no, wait a minute, like they were trying to come up with a founder for Duckburg, and one right. of the artists who is familiar with with the series are like, no, wait a minute, there, there actually is a guy; we don't have to invent someone. This <laughs> this exists. This. So again, like no research. From WDI already <laughs> of like, here's, you know, here's this rich thing. It was like literally, I was like, hey, I think I remember this thing from this comic book. Yeah,
0: right, exactly. somebody's flipping through <laughs> a comic and said, oh, we should put that. <laughs> so we're going to come back to Cornelius in a, in a little bit. But um the rest of the land was was facades of buildings that covered some of the tents, the fronts. Um, so you could tour duckbird if you will in Duckburg by walking through it um but these were all short versions of facades i mean the doors were what how no more than three feet tall three yeah there's nothing
4: eight. none of this was taller than seven eight feet maybe yeah, i mean little tall. kids it was cute because these little yeah, kids right.
0: felt like they were in a real you know real town right. there was a there's, a there's tons of there. pictures that
4: people have of like kids you know sitting on the steps of the buildings and whatnot exactly yeah yeah
0: yeah, you couldn't yet, but it kind of hid the area a little bit, and the, the restrooms were over there. Now there wasn't a, another edition. Um, there was Grandma Duck's Farm presented by anybody remember who presented Grandma Duck's Farm? I, Brian's given a blank look. Oh, how's how's looking at his map? I don't know. I I, I don't remember this. It's presented by Friskies.
2: Friskies. Oh, the cat, the, the cat food. food yeah.
0: So, now JT, you must know who the star was at grandma's duck grandma duck's farm mini moo mini moo that's right that's right so, Minnie Moo was born. She is a, she's a dairy cow, and she was born in Egerton, Minnesota, 1984, and she didn't prove milk, so apparently she was going to be slaughtered.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> oh. Yes. up Put up, put up or shut up. Exactly. She was going to be at the Brillerator 7000 <laughs> right. or whatever that thing was called.
0: So, uh, the legend goes is that the niece wrote to Disney saying perhaps they could use her, and they, uh, they did purchase Minnie Moo for an undisclosed amount, moved her down to Florida, she was eventually relocated to Fort Wilderness, JT, uh, when when Grandma Duck's petting farm actually uh, closed down. Where that she people would still go see her there. And uh, in two thousand and one, she passed away at the age of fifteen. Um, and they they didn't make an official notice, but they are on record as saying that it was too sensitive a subject to to discuss. So. Here's some neat stuff. So apparently, there's a memorial plaque placed inside the trophy room at Fort Wilderness, along with what? other notable deceased animals. So what's the trophy room d- back
1: in the stables? I don't know. So where they have the big, it, you know, the organ thing back there? Yeah,
0: I don't know. So we're gonna have to find this. Uh, now, here's another interesting thing. I didn't know there was such thing as Mickey Moo. It was another cow, and he was at Disneyland until 1993. Huh. So, Mickey and Minnie Moo. Yeah. Um, that probably
4: started a rash of if anybody anywhere in the United States had some kind of animal that had like a Mickey oh yeah. shape on it, they it's were like, taking pictures and trying to sell it to Disney. It's
0: like Jesus Christ toast, you know, or the yeah, Lady, lady Madonna yeah, yeah. Play Doh or something. Um, uh, Orlando Sentinel kind of had like an obituary written, and, and, and this is, I'm, I'm quoting here verbatim. She was survived uh, by two pigs and a potato, <laughs> 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 also in the shape of Mickey
4: Mouse.
1: Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, I think there is a little room Now that I think about it When you go back in that stable You can still get dangerously close to the horses Still, in my opinion, for for Disney's taste This time of day But, you know, this time of year but or whatever Um, But yeah, there's a room back there With uh, with trophies and stuff, Brian Just in case you're on a tour walking around
4: Todd, did you ever see it exist as a petting zoo?
1: Yes,
0: I I did Because I was there in It was uh, October 89 So just in its first year and I do remember my sisters walking through. I mean, it, it was kind of as as just as disappointing as it is when you went to Rafiki's Planet <laughs> Watch. Like I'm on this train, I go all these places, and all you have for me is a goat.
4: Because <laughs> it's at some point they cut out the cutting the petting zoo part of it, and yes. they just had the goats in a pen in the center, and you just right. stand and watch the goats. Right, right. And part I, of the I barn remember is, that part.
0: And part of the barn is still there today, which is being used for for Mickey's Barnstormer, which is pretty mm. cool. So. Yeah, Goofy's barnstormer, or Mickey's? Goofy's, sorry.
4: Goofy's, yeah. And no. do you remember, so there were goats in the front, mm-hmm. and then there were chickens in in the back. You could walk inside yes. the barn, and there were and they all, I don't remember their names, but I know the chickens all had names. There oh, did like they? Little, yeah, little cards with their names on them.
0: And Minnie Moo, I believe, if I recall correctly, she was inside the barn.
4: Yeah, um, she was yeah. kind of off to one side, I think. Yep. People are spending like sixty dollars a day <laughs> to go see to, a goat. Yeah, to go see a goat. <laughs> his, his <laughs>
1: neckline, like, what? And it was free right down the road at Fort uh, Wilderness. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that it didn't cost anything back That's then.
4: That's right. We just, I just, they uh, just play. They for, just play. Yes, they for those of there. us that liked attractions, it just, it just seemed it seemed like something that you could get anywhere. Yeah. So I was just really surprised that they. But again, not no, knowing that yeah, what the budget, they did it was again
0: like. over at Animal Kingdom. That's why I just never understood why yeah. you know. <clears throat> He spent all that money yeah
2: so i, I well they but they didn't know no, two 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 rants here they didn't originally have it at animal kingdom but what happened was people would go out to that conservation station walk through the building for three seconds and see them working you know performing an operation on a monkey and they were bored yeah. that's why they added the petting zoo over there they didn't originally have it so also at uh,
0: birthday land there was a playground they had mouser sizing uh and mouse camays which was a topiary of uh shrubs and trees and different things and there were little
4: there were little squirting fountains in it so if you went the wrong way you'd get shot in the face with water
1: (laughs) i have video of my sister and i doing this do you really oh yeah it's like it literally looks like it looks like pvc like you know uh, street level like three inch pipe coming out of the ground (laughs) with caps and there's like little misters shooting up out of them like that's all it is Um, and yeah there's just a standard playground it's we're there in 91 that's the video i have okay
4: all right well there that's was, a. I i did see a little like teacup shaped thing on the playground but it was very you know they it's got their 12, they got it's, their 12 million dollars worth yeah that's it's that's he, true.
1: hedge maze it's it's you know it's it's about as up to my third grade shoulder level that's about as yeah, tall as it you're was. right well, it was very tiny
4: let's talk
0: about how well their 12 million dollars were spent because as you know as we talked about it was supposed to be temporary. Um, but at that point, it was so popular that um, they decided to retheme the area and, and lose that whole birthday getup.
4: So the birthday's over. They're like, now what?
0: Yeah, now well, now what do we do? Um, and just this is amazing, too. So, it, in April, 20, April 22, 1990, the birthday officially ended. And a few weeks, weeks later, May 26, four weeks, Mickey's
4: Starland was born. There's so, did you did you run across the picture where there's like a like <laughs> launchpad McQuack like yes. holding up the sign that says star to cover right. up the sign that says birthday right in front of the land like <laughs> so of Mickey's I, store land
0: but I think if you put the star over birthday
4: it doesn't fit it, yeah. no it would be like Star Day Land <laughs> it was but it's really- that same. Now I understand it's like that same Charlie Ridgeway setup where we saw the photo of like the golf resort when it got turned into the yeah. snow white resort. And there was like the dwarves with the sign, like they're covering yep. up the sign with the new one. Same, same shtick, Same yep. exact shtick. Exactly.
0: So some of the temporary buildings were changed and the attractions and shows were tra- changed as well. And Minnie's surprise party became Mickey's magical TV world. So <laughs> this is interesting. So, Disney Afternoon was big. We'd also already talked about Ducktales, but then we had the Adventures of the Gummy Bears, right? We had Tailspin, uh,
2: Gummy Bears there you go. bouncing here and there and everywhere. Rescue
0: Rangers, right? And, that's right, <laughs> and Bonkers.
1: Bonkers. I Bonkers was horrible.
0: Yeah, most people don't know that. So, <laughs>
2: wasn't that a candy? It was a candy, like 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 Razzle and Dorks. And- so he
1: looked the- like a marsupial or something, wasn't he?
2: Like. No, that was another character, Marsupa, Marsupa. Well, now we have to have a Bonkers meet and greet. <laughs> yeah, Bonkers was a he was a cat, like a police cat. Police don't have <laughs> cats. They have dogs. But
4: he was uh,
0: their attempt kind of to get a, a Roger Rabbit goofy character that they didn't own. That they, I mean, that they did own because they didn't have the IP officially of Roger Rabbit.
4: Right, right. I think that was the whole thing. They wanted a Roger Rabbit show, but they couldn't get Roger Rabbit. So then they're like, well, let's do that kind of character, but we'll just make him something different. Exactly. Uh, he'll be He's so crazy, he's bonkers.
0: As all of these different shows came, the, the show that we're talking about uh, you know, changed, because it was Mickey's Magical TV World. So when Chippendale was the thing, that's what you'd go and see. But the theme was always the same. A live host uh, with the name unisex name of CJ. There it is now. Um, and also... A computer, a wrapping computer named Dude.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes.
0: Come on. Now, Dude, what does Dude stand for, guys? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Does anybody want to guess? (laughs) Duck? Duck, Duck, is Duck one of the words? No, Duck's not in there.
4: Oh, Disney...
0: You got the first one. Disney Urban... (laughs) <laughs> Disney Urban, yeah. No. Computer. Computer's in there, even though it's Dude.
4: Oh, that's right,
2: Dude. Yeah.
0: So, Dude. It, it was officially Disney's unilateral digital electromagnetic computer. It's Dudeck, but they would call him Dude. Now, guys, we have Dude with us tonight. Now, just as in the original oh, show, uh, on the count of three, all four of us have to yell, Hey, dude, what's happening? And that will bring to life are you guys ready all right okay i'm ready one two three hey Hey, dude dude, what's what's happening happening?
2: my name is dude i'm number one we're gonna have all kinds of fun i'm the one who runs the show i'm a master rapper computer control i brought you friends from near and far you'll meet them now each one's a star everybody
0: So, yeah, so here you have dude who would rap to you. There would be different songs and, and all sorts of dance parties, and that would go on for 15, 20 minutes. But um, another interesting thing about star, <laughs> Starland here is that um, uh, what episode or what television show do you guys think actually had some portions of it filmed in Mickey's Starland? Mm. Thunder, Thunder in Paradise. paradise? <laughs> 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 Not quite. There wasn't a Duckburg scene.
4: Ironside? No, no, no.
1: Uh, Mickey it's, Mouse. It's Club. one of those
0: shows where they always they always take an episode on, oh, on ABC and go full house. Full house. That's correct. You look, a heart, a heart. I if you want to look it up, it was season six, episode twenty three. Towards the end, it's in um, in the first part of the two part cliffhanger where Michelle gets lost. And uh, you can see some uh, external shots of, of, uh, of Starland. Uh, and it's the original Duckburg facades that, that were there. So now, is, that
1: the, is that. that the full house where the, they scuba dive?
0: Yes, it is, and it's also where the, the father tries to propose throughout, all, like, all one hour of this can never propose, and then Michelle's lost. I zipped through it quickly trying to find this. And Uncle Jesse just, plays the yeah, piano at the Grand
1: Floridian. That's know. right.
0: He's got a whole yeah, entourage with him. They play in front of the castle at the end, so. So here's one that most people don't realize. Uh, in Christmas 1995, Mickey's Starland was renamed Mickey's Toyland with some light-seeming just for that Uh, christmas season for christmas exactly oh yeah
4: hey do you remember so let me break in here so if you remember when you came out of the i can't remember if it was like one of the pre-show things or when you're coming out of the show there was that area where you were kind of waiting where there was uh those uh comic book cutouts Mm -hmm. where you where you would go but i remember they also had some of the main street windows displays just in like glass block glass boxes on the outside like i remember a fox and the hound one it was like it was very random it was literally like they just went to the warehouse and like find some find some things (laughs) and put them in here and uh and at some point they started to get fancy and they had like some little interactive stuff where you could step on the floor and Mm -hmm. i think it would set off different like sounds of like animals <laughs> or like and i remember there were some buttons that you could push that would make like a little mickey mouse sounds
0: right right that's cool well you got to throw something in there i mean as we talked about starland and we, all we've done is changed some signs grandma's yeah. petting zoo is still there we don't have an attraction other did than show. the uh,
4: did they get rid of the did they get rid of the ma- the hedge maze and replace that with something else i
0: i don't think that was done actually until the next the next incarnation so we're through three names now um and it's been seven years and here's what's really i thought this was interesting it was still extremely popular even though there really wasn't an attraction there so disneyland decided hey this is big let's recreate it um but they decided to go with the word toontown um because you know That's where Toons were in California, and Roger Rabbit has been at that by that point, and they could incorporate Roger Rabbit into Toontown.
4: Oh, and they made that whole backstory about how it was always there behind the scenes, and no one ever
0: saw it. Right. Yeah. So you've created Toontown in 1993. Uh, Here it is, 95, 96. What are you going to do with this? You can't call Toontown so that they decide that (laughs) the— Because
4: you would actually have to spend money. (laughs) <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. But they decided that uh it would be where the character's vacation oh. and they would put a fair theme on it. See, I never I never understood the fair thing. And now actually, I, you know, when you do research all oh, this years later, you're like, "Ah, oh, you know." It was
4: kind of barely obvious. Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, they decided to coincide it with uh, Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary and it uh, was officially rededicated on June 29th, 1996. Um and also apparently the reason that they were all taking this big vacation is because it was time for the fair uh mickey was one of the judges so he had to travel out here so and he so Cornelius coot uh we talked about him earlier he, and the reason that he was kept in there he was apparently the founder of the two-town fair because his corn crop story of all that stuff fit in with the fair um and making prize produce so the we're going to talk about it a second here there some of the fair to fair stuff did continue on in the theming um uh, but they refurbished the tents uh, again probably pulling all the structure down or at least the the vinyl covering Uh, Minnie got an actual house Uh, They tore down Mickey's house and built a second one. Uh, These were more uh, cartoonish if you will and um, They were obviously meant to to stay a much longer time and more in the Toontown theme, but Toontown Fair Donald got his real boat that was the play (laughs) structure with all the water and squirting Um, and Pete set up a shop, uh, of a gas station, which is where the, where the, uh, restrooms were. And on there, this is pretty cool. This is a neat little thing. The oil that he sold was Mojave oil. And where have we seen Mojave oil before?
1: Catastrophe Canyon.
0: That's That's it. That's it. And, uh, Mojave oil was the, was on there. So
2: one of my favorite things when they finalize the land for permanent is the, uh, the gas pumps that have the fish in the goldfish inside of it. And uh, they still have them in Disneyland at the Toontown out there. So I always make a point of visiting and getting my picture with it until they might possibly now take that away to add the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway ride to Toontown and Disneyland. But for now, they're still there, and I still get to visit them.
0: Uh, Goofy was the one that really, he, he won out here. He got, not only did he get a farm, uh, he got the Barnstormer and uh, the Roller Coaster, and he's got a backstory, too, which I didn't even pick on. Apparently, he's he's not good growing crops, and um, he has squashed them with his feet. So I guess in the in the queue area, you'd see that he had stepped on them. I kind of remember
4: that, yeah. Yeah, and,
0: and his scarecrow, instead of scaring things, actually attracted. So he has tried to dust his crops, but he crashed and now he's offering flight training in order to get you on board to do, to do it for him. Um so uh so that that was there and that was the first real attraction which is still there today as uh,
4: it has the world's longest name. It's like Goofy Sky School starting the great Goofini, Goofini. or something yeah, that's like the great yeah, so the great Goofini. So long, complicated. Exactly. I have a I have actually a story about the origin of of uh Goofy's Barnstormer. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so one day I don't know, it was probably I don't know if this was right when Toad was gonna close or when Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was closing, but I was walking through the Magic Kingdom, as I was apt to do because I was going every other weekend. And uh one day this guy stopped me, uh, sort of like in front of Toad and twenty K and he starts talking to me and he's like, Oh, I see you here all the time. What you what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I wanna be an imagineer and we start talking back and forth about, you know what, I want to, what we want to do and what I want to do and then he tells me like, oh, I have this thing that I submitted to the I Have a Idea program. I've taken the farm from Grandma Duck's farm and then taken a roller coaster and putting through it and it would be Goofy's Barnstormer and I'm listening to him go off on this thing and I thought to myself, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are years later, and he's probably still an Imagineer. (laughs) They built his barnstormer, and I'm just a guy on a podcast. So (laughs) who is the dumb one? (laughs) That's funny. So if, if, if anybody happens to know who he is and where he might be today, dude, I owe you a beer. I am so sorry. I... I uh, looked <laughs> looked down on you that day because you you were right. That's right. There you go. Oh man.
0: Well, another here is an interesting tidbit about the petting zoo when it closed. Um, the, the barn was repurposed, and also too, there were still some chickens in there. But do you know where the chickens? How's nodding his head? He must know where these chickens. Oh, came oh, you're from. talking
4: about the uh, the electric chickens. The electric chicken. I did, yes, I did read. It, I did read that they were removed from World of Motion. Is that?
2: That correct. is
0: correct. That is correct. That's where they were. So then they later
2: a- became the opening act for Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. The Electric <laughs> Did you chickens. say later? Oh God!
0: <laughs> that one goes out to Marty. Uh, <laughs> um, and Brian, you'll like this. Around the holidays, uh, Donald's boat would become a, a Christmas tree lot which was which was kind of neat yeah, absolutely oh. i've got pictures yeah, of donald's christmas, christmas yeah. tree lot
2: which they also so. used to have in center street oh was it? i want to say there was a period of time where they set it up in center street hmm. uh, yeah. i will have to look at my pictures for some reason that is sticking out to me but gotcha. i could be wrong but i feel like i'm not
0: so as we know we talked about the uh Petting Zoo closed, and and obviously with Storybook Circus, which has now been almost eight, seven, eight years it's, it's since they crazy. began that. Isn't that amazing? It still looks yeah. wonderful to this day. the The train station there is obviously completely, you know, demolished. They built a new one. That I I always thought the interesting thing about Storybook Circus was. I was watching some of the construction, and I always thought that those tents would be torn down. And when I saw them just back to skeleton and putting new tarps on it, I really wondered the longevity of Storybook Circus. Are they really
4: still using the same?
0: They seem to be, yeah. I mean, maybe we can have somebody confirm, but there were still those metal. So they've served their purpose,
4: obviously. I mean, well,
2: the Millennium
0: Village is still there. That's 20 years now, practically, you know. That was a temporary building, too, yeah. Exactly, (laughs) and it's still up. So these temporaries uh, certainly have outlasted their uh, their intended use, um, albeit refurbished a number of times. But I think the theming there now obviously fits in a lot better. It's known as a real land. It's it's certainly expanded out. Um, it's a it's a you know Dumbo. I think was a smart move. And we should mention too, you know, moving Dumbo over there, as we all know, shortened the Tomorrowland Speedway. But the creation of of uh, Mickey's Birthday Land also shortened. Uh, the Speedway before that, back in 1988, which, as we've talked about many times, I think we're now going on the fifth or sixth change, right, when <clears throat> Tron goes in. It's just, you're basically going to get a car and go in a circle and come back. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully something will be done to make it a little more enticing in the future. But, uh, yeah, that. Uh, I remember going to birthday land. I remember riding the train. My sister's watching the show over and over again, as I probably went to some other attraction, but uh, it was a fun, it was a fun place. Um, Temporary, but, but still, obviously, as you can see, it had a direct influence on what happened at Disneyland and also what happened later on here uh, with the the whole backstory and bringing in storybook circus
4: and longest, longest 16 month celebration land ever. (laughs)
0: That's right. We're still celebrating. He's now almost 62, but we'll, <laughs> we'll continue to go on. So, All right, guys. Well, I think it's about time we uh, wrap it up for this evening. I know how we wait, laughed wait. about... When a birthday's th- done, don't
2: you unwrap things?
0: Oh. oh. Well, we got two of them tonight. Nah, two doozy. <laughs> I
2: think there's more than two in here. Yeah, that might be quite a few. <laughs>
0: uh, well, we've got how we talked about a couple of the uh, different... Um, t-shirt idea so i I think you probably i'm sure you got something in store for us coming up soon
4: well so after we rolled out the the lake Bonavista historical society uh you know immediately someone we got we got a couple of tweets of like where are the t-shirts with the logo on it so (laughs) as soon as we wrap up here i'm gonna put that artwork together and and get it for todd so that we can get that uploaded and let's let's start there and and work our way out but yeah it's it's getting to be November. We're gonna there are going to be a lot of sales coming up. Well, oh, actually, yes. you're listening to this on November 18th, so we're in the yep. middle right now of a of a T public sale, um, <clears throat> with things being uh, up to 30 percent off. So uh, get your shopping done now for December. It's a it's a great time to do it. And uh, yeah, get That'd in there. We'll, we'll have some surprises for sure by the time this comes excellent. out. Excellent,
2: excellent. You know, it would be cool without Donald. To have the Donald's Christmas tree lot banner and a bunch of Christmas trees oh, underneath well, of it for Christmas. That, that we great. can sell because we could mean any Donald. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And
0: then how you can make another one, too. Celebrating my birthday for 18 months. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think I, I would impart upon all the listeners, if you're going to have a birthday, don't celebrate your birthday for one day. No. Celebrate it for at least 18 months. That's Invite that's, all your friends. Yeah. Explode <laughs> a cake. It's have a, a train. It's what Mickey would want.
0: That's right. That's right. And with that, well, we wish Mickey a very happy birthday today, November eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. He is indeed ninety. I know many of you many of you are enjoying uh, the celebration of Mickey Mouse at the Contemporary Resort at D twenty three. So I hope you had a great time there. Um, we thank everybody for listening. Again, if you can give us a review or shout out on iTunes, um, you can. Donate to the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society right from the Retro WW page or right from LBVHS.org. And uh, until then, happy birthday, Mickey and Brian. Take us out.
2: Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at LBVHistory and on the web at LBVHistory.org. Follow Todd McCartney and RetroWDW on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RetroWDW. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, follow our web designer, Jason Bartell of Deepwater Studios at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, on Twitter and Instagram, at GoAwayGreen. And on the web at KingdomOfMemories.com. For JT Couser, on Twitter, at LS1JT. On YouTube, at Rubber City Motoring. And on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. A nonprofit, nonpartisan, tax exempt 501 organization and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities.
3: Sayonara.